Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Now, I'm one of those guys that, unfortunately, by the time that vacation (laughs) ends, I've already thought about it ending so much that I've missed out on it in its entirety. What I mean by that is that I look forward to it, look forward to it, look forward to it, and am very excited over all the possibilities. And with that, then would get my mind set upon, I can't wait, I can't wait. But then I also know, somewhere in the back of my mind, I have come to an awareness that as much as I might be looking forward to it, and as much as it might seem real exciting, it's going to end. I don't want it to end, because in some direct way, that's exactly where all the excitement comes from. This is fabulous. This is fantastic. Or at least it's come to come from. And uh, why? Because I'm working. (laughs) I'm doing all this stuff. Just so I can have this privilege of this great vacation. Uh, Be with my family. Be away from the work circumstance. Be able to really relax. Enjoy the scenery. (laughs) Enjoy the time off. But with that then, the coming back... (laughs) When it's over. I've been there. I've done that. And though I can claim probably there's not ever been a vacation that's been awful or horrible, I can equally claim every thought of coming back takes a little bit of of that wonderful, that bit of, I'm going to call it glory, away from me. I can fall easily into the trap of ruminating even. Worry even about having to go home and facing whatever it is that I might have missed or undoubtedly something's happened in my absence while I've checked out of all of it. I've been in this sort of stress-free zone or at least tried to make it that. And uh, when I get back, I've got to face it all. Now, I don't think God wants my vacation to go that way, but I also don't think God wants my life to go that way. And with that thought in mind, I'd like to go to Scripture, where I think I could uh, read a passage or several verses that might support this notion. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. (laughs) For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious... So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious... 
Or for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into this same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Now what does this have to to do with vacations? Because it came to me. As if it shouldn't have come to me, as if it wouldn't be even so. The divine nature that I am constantly desiring, wanting, uh, at least I tell myself and others that, that is deeply (laughs) embedded, even so, within me and my heart of hearts. Jesus Christ resides. With a great promise (laughs) that not only do I get vacations, but even so, if I should come back or be so worried about coming back, or even so, be so worried about my next vacation, because all of the difficult parts of life have traumatized me so much. All the work-related stress, all the struggles of the day-to-day existence have become so burdensome. That yes, with great anticipation and excitement, I long for the day. I yearneth uh, for the day of reconciliation when I might finally be able to get my head out of all of that and finally then be able to liberate myself from all the burden that that stress brings to me, all the toils and the cares and the troubles of this life. I'm still so guilty. Of allowing it to creep back in. Now, I don't know if every day should be a vacation. Possibly that's the case. Depending on how you look at it. And if you really do take all this scripture to heart that I read to you. Because I think that is exactly what's going on. Is that life is good. There should be no worries at least to the end of our death. Not that physically things don't die, because obviously they do. And the Old Testament, in an equally obvious way, makes that clear. It's called mortality. But it is equally clear that in spiritual terms, that's got nothing to do with death. It's got to do with putting the old man off of us so that we might then be new creatures in Christ. 
(laughs) Setting aside all those weights that so easily beset us, pressing onward to the mark of the highest calling, which is, again, Jesus Christ. Now, what is the veil? Uh, to me, to me, coming from the psychological dimension, which I am bound to at least have some consideration of. It's what I do for a living. But also from a Christian counseling standpoint, a pastoral care, a specialized, a specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling ministry standpoint, I should be fully cognizant and aware. Well, yeah, there is a thing called death. And it is representative of some mortality within the physical dimensions of our life, my body. It will one day cease to exist. But if I become so fixated upon that as the final end or destination, then that I then would not enjoy the journey, the time that I have in material dimension, then I've probably done the same thing I do on my vacations. I've cursed myself. I'm allowing the devil to trick me into becoming fixated upon the end so much so that I don't enjoy the very thing that I have said I've really looked forward to. I mean, when I plan my vacations, it's about six months in advance. Why? Not because I need a lot of preparation time or I need to make accommodations, nothing like that. It's so I have something to look forward to. Something as an earnest of the, the promise that lies ahead of me. I get a taste of that now, and it, and it does, it motivates me. I have to confess. And when I'm starting to let the cares of the world really wear me down, and with that risk some dimension of burnout, if I don't keep that awareness, even in psychological or human terms, if I don't keep that in the front of my mind, I will fall into the pit every time. We'll get into this rut and I can't get out of it. And then once I do get to my vacation, (laughs) if I have any optimism or hopefulness left in me, uh, I I may get there by, as they used to say, the skin of my teeth. I might cross the finish line. But if I should get there at all, If I'm so preoccupied with having to come back to it, I don't want to come back. I just want to check out. Take me home, Jesus. Now's as good a time as any. Why do I have to come back to this? That's not probably a godly, a biblical way of looking at it. But in some ways, I think there is utility, at least to the discipline of the Old Testament, even if it requires... Some uh, acknowledgement or some pointing out, for lack of the right word, that death is there. It can be so that I won't quit and give up, but it would only be in those times or moments when, for whatever reason, I've lost sight of the heretofore glory, Uh, the stuff that's ahead of me. Uh, the stuff of which the New Testament assures me. The yeah, Old Testament assures me that as well, of that as well. But the veil is my denial. The veil is not wanting to contend with this the right way. My veil is wanting to check out too soon. My veil is not wanting to go ahead and admit 
the terms of material life. It's going to happen. All good things come to an end. But if the end then becomes our fixation or preoccupation, so much so that we lose sight of the new beginning, the promise of resurrection in Jesus Christ, then all of it's going to seem as if it's for no good. If you never come to Jesus, though, never allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you in that dimension, the veil not only will be upon, uh, as with Moses, his face, but it will remain upon your heart. And that's what I believe this passage is speaking to. And it, it does speak directly to death. Paul makes the association clear. He says, he speaks plainly. I still have a little bit of a struggle. Maybe if I used a different translation, uh, then I would not have such the struggle. But he speaks to literally that. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, and he's talking about Moses and the Ten Commandments, and really the Ten Commandments, I think, point out the inadequacies or at least the standard by which then we will discover, if we haven't already, how we're missing the point. Enjoy life. But what is it to enjoy life? Is to do or fulfill not only the Ten Commandments, but for the sake of being very straightforward and somewhat condensed, the two great commandments, which are one and the same, Jesus's, love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love others. But if you can do that, if you can look upon not only the Ten Commandments, but as with Moses, the face of God, if you could go back up after you've come off the mountain, (laughs) God gave you the word, Put it on stones, but in being so reactive to what actually was going on in the world and all that that represents, even so, Aaron is partying with the crew, and then you choose to have so many actually, for the sake of righteousness or righteous indignation, removed or killed, so to speak. You probably missed the point. I don't think Moses could ever really see it with even the clarity, certainly that we would have hoped he would have been able to see it. I'm not sure the veil was ever removed because once he went back up on the mountaintop and asked God to show him his glory, I think Moses began to realize It's not in his flesh, it's in the spirit (laughs) of the Lord. And with that then, even as God, the glory of the Lord, passed by, Moses had to kind of hide his face and only could see the hinder parts because if he really looked upon the face of God, if he really saw (laughs) that it was going to require him to lose himself in Jesus... And with that then, for the sake of crossing over and surviving mortality, the physical dimension, including not only bodily but psychology, human spirit, if he could really seen that, maybe he wouldn't have smoked the rock and <laughs> gone to the promised land. Maybe he could have went ahead and crossed over the Jordan and entered in, and though there were giants and all these perils and risks, realized, well, this is just what you have to do. You have to come back from vacation and 
see all this stuff. And again, he was coming off the mountain. And, and, and yeah, it was scary. And yeah, he was sort of still uncertain. And I would be too. And you would be too. And, but he had an audience with God. But he, he started to come down off the mountain and face the realities. There's work to be done in a material regard and way if we're going to get out of this wilderness. And though he was called for the sake of the exodus out of Egypt, he was in some sort of aspect a prefigurement of Christ. But he could not look upon that aspect, I believe, of the personal sacrifice that was required. He was going to literally have to do what was on the commandments, the, the two tables, the Ten Commandments, written on those stone tables, the Ten Commandments. And love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and spirit, so that he might then love others as he loved himself. And how did he love himself? Not only in terms of dying or sacrificing for the sake of Another could be God, giving up your life for the sake of Christ, or to be Christ, or have Christ come forth, get out of the way, remove the personal dimension so that Jesus could operate in Holy Spirit most fully. And though Moses did not know Jesus in the way that we know Jesus, I think that it was pretty clear. Moses was going to have to admit he was imperfect, and that only God was going to be able to finish this work that had been started, that he was expected with the help of Aaron and all the instruction of God, and God gave him a lot of help along the way, persons, but also in word dimension and conversational sort of dimension, even with God himself. But until we get to that point, there's a veil over our face, until we get to that point over our heart, even. Not only the face, looking upon the face of God as the requirement would be to sacrifice yourself for God, but for each other. But until you get to that point that you can see it even in a psychological sort of dimension and be willing to acknowledge it and accept it, you're not going to be able to then allow the Holy Spirit to really do what God promises he would do as now manifest fully in the Holy Spirit, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, to take you through it, to help you overcome the obstacles, not of your flesh, because you'd quit. You'd want to take a permanent vacation. You'd want to give up. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. Couple of reasons you're still in this world, and it is a beautiful world, and there's all kinds of glory that's attached to it. But you can't help other people, which is maybe one of the reasons that God kind of put his spirit in that way in us so that we can help one another and comfort one another. And though the Holy Spirit is the true comforter and in us, I do believe, though it's quickly falling, fallen into corruption, falling, ever falling into corruption and falling into corruption is his spirit. But if we allow the word to point out our inadequacies and remind us, uh, David, you're thinking way too much about the wrong thing here. You need to trust me, as God could speak to me or through the Holy Spirit, he would, is that voice inside me. 
his word alive within me and Jesus through the Holy Spirit, I would get not only knowledge and understanding, which is going to remove the veil, the denial. Denial really is a defense mechanism, psychological construct, construction. It's lying to ourselves, though, so that we don't deal with <laughs> harder questions. Again, we want to take the permanent vacation. We want to take the easy way out. We want somebody else to do it. We don't want to do it. It's selfishness. It's about self-preservation. There's a time and place for self-preservation. I'm not denying that. But as we mature and as we become more and more aware with insight of the finality and terminality, the mortality of the flesh, even so, the psychology, who we are, our identity. Why would we want to hold on to it? Give it to Jesus. <laughs> Give your life to Christ. Allow him, Jesus, to do what he came to do, which is to save you and take you over into the eternity, <laughs> the eternal, where there is no death. And he's going to do that by, of course, loving God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And then others as you love yourself. But Jesus is God's love. The Holy Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. God is love. (laughs) But if you can do this now and choose, then life can be fun. If you stop worrying about vacation ending and all the stuff you got to go back and face to the next round, (laughs) I'm real glad this is over so I can get on with the next thing. Not. I just want to check out. I don't want to ever have to go through that. You're going to go through it. And it doesn't get easier in the sense that you don't get more wins in the flesh. (laughs) Things get older, they don't work as well, things, parts of you, your mind, uh, even your culture, the way you spend a good bit of your life becoming familiar with, the way to look at life, the way to succeed, it changes and you are left then with the reality what used to work doesn't work anymore. Even if it's just because of culture or if you try to preserve your culture, you're going to get a bit disjointed and disconnected with the current culture. Why? Because there's a certain degree of sanctification, progression, uh, moving ever toward the end when Jesus will come in a material way, literally so, a second coming, a second time to claim his church. And with that... Then put an end to all of this worry and negativity and the fatalism. How? By removing the flesh. (laughs) The resurrected body, who says it's human? I don't want to go back to a human body. I don't even want my human, my humanity, my human to even risk getting in the way. (laughs) Gone. The sooner the better. If I can choose Jesus now, believing fully in that promise of the second coming, but also the resurrection, and with that then, even as I accept Jesus today, he already shows me his Holy Spirit. He already gives me his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is in me. I just had a veil over my psychology, my identity, my face. But when that happens and I recognize, oh, wow, 
I've given God permission to reveal the heart he really put in me, then the veil is lifted from my heart. But that won't happen until with faith, courage, I face all of these things, that denial, because I don't want to, because there's a part of me that has a defiant, disobedient sort of nature. No, I'm not going to do that. It's scary. I don't want to do that. When I lay it down, when I really truly give it to him, why would it be surprising if I discover he's there? Not only is he there, but he's always been there. Not only has he always been there, but really he's the one that got me through all of this. It wasn't even my own mind tricking myself into believing while yet in my humanity. Help not my belief, but yet my unbelief sort of aspect or way of looking at that. He still covered me with his grace, his glory. I I don't need to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. I can see the glory of the Lord pass by, but I can see that in these dual dimensions. There is a glory to life, undoubtedly, material life. But the greater glory is to accept when the end of that humanity or that element of our humanity comes. It's not the end of us, nor is it the end of life, nor certainly is it the end of God. We just are changed. It's in a twinkling of an eye. The veil is lifted off of our face, but also our heart. We already know the veil was rent that separated separated us from this revelation of God's love in Jesus Christ. We could go into the innermost sanctum. We could understand the heart of God because we stopped resisting. stopped being disobedient and defiant. Denial is a psychological construct, but should anybody kind of not really put much credibility on the psychological, then just call it lying. It sounds worse when you say it that way in many ways. Maybe it's easier. Maybe I'm just a liar and I need to stop lying. But when you can get that real with yourself, and certainly you get that real with God, and you begin to understand all this stuff that you might end up worrying about being the end of you, or so much so threatening you that you would then end somebody else, doesn't matter. Those are the two great commandments. Maybe it makes it easier to give God permission then for his heart to manifest itself, not only to you, (laughs) but realizing, oh, I put up the wall. I put up the veil. My denial, my lying got in the way. The devil just helped. He just tricked me. He continued to trick me. He kept me in that fight or flight, that survival, emotional thinking mode sufficient that I couldn't even see it logically and reasoned with sufficient clarity to understand The Old Testament is about logistics. It's about sanctification. It's about preparation. But it's not about salvation. It's about getting you ready to cross over. But when you get there, then you have to do what it naturally leads you to the conclusion of doing. And that is die to self and selfishness. Because in the end, self-preservation doesn't work. You can't preserve self. But God makes a promise. 
He's going to preserve you if you give it all to him in the name of Jesus Christ because it won't be you anymore. It will be Jesus and Jesus has already done what needs to be done for the sake of your crossing over. If you're going to be hidden in the cleft of the rock, let that be the rock that you're hidden in. Let Jesus, but don't hit the rock. You can hit it. You can tap it. Don't smote the rock, Moses. Lest if the veil should come off, it comes right back on. You're running from God. You're hiding from God. God's not hiding from you. His Holy Spirit is eternal. Love is eternal. Be one with Him in spirit. One with Him in love. Receive the love of Jesus Christ. Receive God's love as manifest in the sacrifice even He made. Same way. He died to Himself. Just to show you how much He loves you. But if you can get there, you can get your mind wrapped the head, wrapped around that. Know where the enemy is, where the lie is. Face the truth and don't, again, be at all shocked. All power to overcome all obstacles, even death, should be at your disposal. Whatever you ask for according to that, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that old New Testament put together way of looking at things, You can accomplish them. Whatever it is in the name of Jesus, whatever two two are gathered together in his name, Jesus, he's in the midst of them. Whatever they ask, whatever they lose, whatever they bind, earth and heaven, heaven and earth. There's nothing that can keep you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But you have to logistically die to self so that he can then take over. Otherwise, you're going to continue to fight with him. Life is not bad. Material life is glorious. It's wonderful. If you can look at it this way, you can have a lot of fun. Vacation or not. And you might still get to take a vacation. But try to make that a day-to-day attitude so the worries and the troubles and the struggles don't make you bitter. Don't make you so angry. Don't wear you out. Don't burn you out so much that you just want to quit and give up. But if you are able to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're able to apply that principle now, not just later, then look at what you get. You get that glory and then even more, the greater glory that it never ends. You are never going to die, whether that is in (laughs) heavenly sort of dimensions or Hellish sort of dimensions is up to you. But if you choose hell, you're still not going to die. Your soul is going to end in hell. Why? Probably because you lived your whole life in hell. You never gave up that part of you out of fear, out of defense, fight or flight, resistance, fight against others, run from others, fight against God, run from God, fight against God, run from God, fight against others, run from others. It's the two great commandments. But it's going to take your, all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit logistically with intention, with commitment, with the element of discipline. The Old Testament does teach you Not so that you save yourself, 
but so that you prepare yourself to receive. The day of Pentecost was the whole time between Jesus' first ascension or his, his ascension and the day that the Holy Spirit manifested himself to all those that were in the upper room together in one accord on the day of Pentecost. It took all that time for them to be prepared to receive. They had to get out of fight or flight. They had to work through the anger and the fear. They had to get to a place where they could calm down enough to remember the promise. But once that happened, the veil was lifted. Not only again off of their face, but off of their heart. And then all of a sudden, it seems, they discovered the power that was within them. Now, my contention is it's been there all along, but because of the way the material existence is and human development is, from the day of our birth, it started to be, it began to be stolen from us. All the struggles, the trials, the difficulties, even before your brain was fully developed so that it even could comprehend what it was you were going through, you're already in a fight or flight. And that's probably the adaptive element of that kind of reaction, that fight or flight or that emotional sort of thinking. Uh, When you're a child and you're ignorant, no offense intentioned by using that term, but really not knowing you, God still wants to keep you alive. Uh, he has no vetted or vested interest in destroying you prematurely or killing you prematurely. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given us material life or a time in material life. Time itself to kind of have the fun. <laughs> but let's make that the vacation. What if we just made our life the vacation? <laughs> And even if it is the other side of it, that'd be heaven, right? If you made the life, made your life this time, in material dimension, in your humanity, your vacation, then you know what could be better. When you leave it, it's nothing more than either the same, or even so, if there's still a bit of struggle in our mortality, some enmity between the carnality and the immortal, the eternal dimensions of God, then it's not going to be a big transition, and it shouldn't be any transition. Oh, you got Jesus there to lead you, guide you, take you over to the promised land where Moses couldn't cross the Jordan. But if you want to make it just that... Rather than your vacation, hell, and just waiting, even if you believe in an eternal, but you can't apply it now. I'm not saying you don't cross over, but you're miserable until you do. And there probably is a point where you could blaspheme and grieve the Holy Spirit to the extent that you really don't. (laughs) You've hardened your heart. That's the veil too, hardening your heart. Strongholds in the mind. The devil loves to do that because that's all he had and all he's got. And if there is, as I believe there is, an eternal hell, that's why he's waiting for those that would follow suit. Take a similar direction. That's why we evangelize. That's why we tell people about Jesus. That's why I include that in my counseling. That's why I do specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling. I am really not helping anybody. I don't want to say at all. I I kind of can do some logistics work. But if I don't tell them about Jesus, then I'm denying them the answer. Why would I not want to tell them about Jesus? 
Humanism is counter to Jesus. Psychology that is practiced within humanism is death. It won't help you. You're still going to die and that's all you got. But though I practice psychological counseling or offer that, I don't lead with that. I offer Jesus. I give full disclosure and testimony. I'm a Christian. I let them know. I believe that I can help and assist, and maybe that is sanctification as in the Old Testament. I can preserve for a while. But in the end, everybody, especially now that we don't live in the Old Covenant, we now have Jesus, everybody's got to make a decision what they're going to do with Jesus. I'm not going to withhold that or deny that. I just get greater liberty to tell you about that coming from Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry because I don't have to be apologetic in any sort of way about all those folks that come in that are not believers. Oh, I'm so sorry, but I, I just I have to tell you about... No, I can say it unabashedly. I can say it boldly. And I could probably fulfill that last verse the best that I at this point in my life have come to realize it. Again, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed to the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. When you finally can see Jesus for who he really is, when you can finally understand The message of salvation, when somebody comes along in an evangelistic sort of way and tells you about Jesus and all of a sudden all the logistics is completed, all the emotional and cognitive operations that comprise the totality of our human processing comes to the most natural conclusion, absent denial and lying to yourself, there is but one way out of the conundrum of death. And mortality, fear that follows when you're threatened. It's Jesus. When you come to that realization and awareness, we've taken the veil off your face, out of your mind. You can see him for what he is. And then all of a sudden, it's like Balaam and the donkey. The donkey was even able to see the angel of the Lord. Balaam took a while to see him. But it was salvation. (laughs) Was Balaam saved? No, because he put the veil right back on. Was Nebuchadnezzar saved? No, because he went back to the old way of seeing it. But you can be saved. And if I can facilitate and help, and I can bring one to that logistical awareness, or even if I'm working toward that, and I don't get to, in that way, see the end of their coming to Jesus... I'm going to do everything I can to to at least prepare them for that moment when somebody, hopefully, will come along and reveal Christ or say with the Holy Spirit's inspiration those words that will bring them to that awareness. But if no one preaches, if no one says the word, Ezekiel, who's it on? They only know because you tell them. And if you don't preach it, and you don't live it, 
And that's with integrity. They're not going to know. But thank God you know. And that's what the podcast, what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry is all about. I want to. Carolyn wants to. We want to help you. Maybe it's still in a logistics sort of dimension. Maybe you've come to Jesus and there's still that bit of struggle going back and forth and you're still being sanctified and strongholds are still being... Maybe it's just things come up and along the way that kicks you back into fight or flight mode and all of a sudden you discover you're running from God and you know we're there to help. Not only again in the actual counseling dimension, coming in to see somebody like myself or Carolyn, but through the podcast. That's what we're about. We want you to go to the Facebook page. We we want you to be able to share it with others. We want you to give us a call, 304-528-9220, if the need should be there, and the Holy Spirit, the need's always there, but the Holy Spirit would move you that we're the ones that are there to help then don't deny that. We're not the end all. We're not the last, hopefully. Although you don't know, right? You don't know the appointed day. But at the same time, you know, there might be others, but why would you put that off if you don't have to? (laughs) Come to certainly our webpage if you want to check us out. Covenantsonline.com. Email us. Covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. We'll want to get back with you. We're even at a point we're going to begin to offer educational sort of offerings at Covenants, continuing education programs. We've got an online presence. I'll call and ask about it. But we're here to help, and that's our sincere desire. And it is evangelism, but it's also sanctification. It is all New Testament, but realizing we still got a lot of work, not only with others, but with ourselves. When Jesus said, love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit, that begins it. It's accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the discovery of the Holy Spirit within you. It allows that revelation to be made. But it still comes to loving others as you love yourself. But the only way you really love yourself is not out of self. It's you care enough about your soul to give it to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But if that's what we can do is just kind of help continue to encourage you through the struggles, comfort you with the word, give testimony, uh, tell you it works. That's what we want to do. So, with that in mind, I would like to invite you back to the next edition of What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. And until we get a chance to meet again, I want you to be sincerely, I know you are, just accept, enjoy, enjoy the blessing. This life is not a bad place, folks. Until then, God bless.